All right, good morning. Hey, look, this spins. Did you know that? All right, it's like a lazy Susan here. Uh, hey, I, for, first of all, I, I am in love with your church. And I, I got to tell you, because when we pulled in the parking lot, I did the, the little, you know, maps trying to see, like, how close did I live to this church? 0.8 miles away. And, and I, I told my sons, I'm like, I wonder how my life would have been different had there been a church like this in Kennett Square when I was growing up. Because um, we ended up, you know, Rich, you know, we, we drove 30 minutes into Wilmington, Delaware, you know, uh, just, just to go to church. And, and so it's just amazing. I was really happy. And then when Luke came in and said, hey, uh, you know, I've got an interview in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, where? And he said, Kennett Square. And then all of a sudden I was like, you've got to go. You've got to go. Mushrooms. You know, it's like... <laughs> It's an awesome thing, you know? I said, you're a fun guy as well. So uh, we've all heard that joke a million times. I'm sorry. But yeah, Luke, Luke was a great student, multi-talented. Did you, you guys know this, right? I mean, you know, we're coaching, right? Football. Uh, you play drums as well. Uh, interpretive dance. Have you had him do that yet? I don't... Is he... Yeah. It's not the same without his tambourine and streamers. You know, I'm just, that's, that's what won you, wasn't it? It was just like, oh, that boy. <laughs> uh, well, it is, it is Father's Day, and uh, I, I thank you. Thank you, Pastor Hollis, for allowing me to, to come here and have your pulpit on Father's Day. This is, a, this is a special day. I don't know if you know this, but I am a dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yay, I can procreate. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but uh, I have, uh, I, my oldest son is Austin. He is 21 years old. He is at Texas A&M. So I know there's a Sooner here visiting, so uh, from Oklahoma, but gig them. Um, and then uh, these are my sons. They're twins, uh, Bryson and Logan. Bryson is the older one. Raise your hand, say hi. Uh, he's older by four minutes. There's Logan. He's our baby. <laughs> Uh, but they're 17, so if, uh, once again, if you know any single women that are 17, you got one? Hey. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I just, I love them. I love, I love my boys to death, and, and Luke knows this from spending time around me. I, I'm just, I'm always amazed because, you know, they're, they're what, they're like 6'2", six 6'3", six size 14 shoes, skinny, athletic. You know, a lot of people say they take after their dad, so, yeah. And I'll tell you, when I catch that guy, <laughs> so... But it is, it's, uh, it's good to be here. Graduated from Kennett, uh, Kennett High back in 1986. Oh my, 86, wow. That's a long time ago, that's a long time ago. That, that means all my friends, we're all turning 50 this year. Yeah, that's awful, but. Well, hey, uh, when Luke invited me, he said, Garland, you have such a powerful testimony, if you could share that. Um, but if, it, it's a testimony of how I came out of the sin and decadence of the male modeling industry. Um, but I feel like for Father's Day, I should go in another direction. If, if, is that, 
maybe have me back. I can, I know a lot of you are like, oh, I don't believe it. Really? See there, right? Yeah. Work it. Uh, oh my. Well, hey, let's get into the message. Um, there is something really cool. A couple friends of mine, uh, uh, the, the porters, they have started a ministry. And what they do is they go to churches all over the United States and they teach the church how to care for foster children and then with the hope of adoption. Here's the cool thing. Um, they started out of our church and we're in a, a place called Ellis County, uh, Texas. And Ellis County is we're literally 30 minutes and you're in downtown Dallas. We are on month five, month five in Ellis County, that there are zero children in the foster care system waiting for placement. Okay? Five months, five months of parents, of families going, we want a kid. And the foster care system saying, we don't have any kids to give you. I mean, that's powerful. That's powerful. And that heart started from another church where there was a pastor. He, was, he wasn't a full-time pastor. He worked at a school as a coach and uh, uh, brought in a couple of kids. They are on five years, five years. And that because one church down there said, you know what? We're not going to allow any child to slip through the cracks, you know? And we're not going to tell the government that it's their issue. The church said, we're going to take it on as our own. So I want to show you a story uh, from uh, a, a couple from our church, also a couple I work with, and uh, just show you what their story is with their two children. Oh, so this is our first video. The Bible commands us to defend the cause of the fatherless. Yet there are 500,000 children bounced from house to house in the foster care system in our country each year. Numbers are numbing. Numbers are dehumanizing and desensitizing. It becomes easy to ignore the pain and suffering when it remains nameless and faceless. In fact, it's so easy to become overwhelmed by the magnitude of the problem and think, we can't possibly make a difference. If you can break the number down so that it represents one human being, one life, that changes everything. My name is Andrew. I don't know who my dad is. I've never met him. When I was three years old, they told me that I couldn't live with my mom anymore. They said my little sister, Magali, and I needed to get away from the bad things happening there. We moved around a lot. We lived at places for children like me. We moved from family to family. It was always scary. I saw some pretty bad things. Some of them even hurt me. I always felt lonely. Magali and I were separated once. I was always scared they would split me and Magali up. She's the only family I have. I prayed that God would give us a family. Then I met Mr. and Mrs. Francis. I went to live with them. And they said Magali could come too. They were nice. They took us to church. I learned about Jesus and found out that he cares about me. I accepted Jesus into my heart. I love going to church. The people there are awesome. They offer to bring us food. When Mr. Jeff and Mrs. Heather go out, we get to hang out with our friends at church. 
The people at church even helped Magali and I become a real part of the Francis family. One day, I got to see my mom and dad pray with Magali to accept Jesus in her life. It was so cool when I got water baptized by my dad. Now I get to help other kids at church. My favorite is being part of the worship team in our epic kids church service. God answered my prayer. Magali and I are part of a family. We're leaving for church. Are you ready, Andrew? Coming, Mom. Coming, Dad. I, I love that story, and if you knew the Francis's, they're just great people. One time, Jeff put on his, uh, his Facebook um, a, a conversation he had with Magali, and Magali was just very, very young, probably about two years old when, they, when she was adopted, and uh, so um, I don't know if you could tell, but Andrew is uh, Latino or Hispanic, and uh, so they were having a conversation, and Magali said to Jeff, said, wait, I'm Hispanic? <laughs> and Jeff was like, yes. And he, she goes, but I don't even speak Spanish. You know? <laughs> but it's great because in her mind, she's like, no, I'm part of this family, and you guys are white. So what do you mean I'm not white? <laughs> you know, Mother Teresa had this quote. She said, do you want to do something beautiful for God? There is a person who needs you. This is your chance. You want to do something beautiful for God, there are people all over Kennett Square that need the church, that need you, you know, and there may not, may not be in this church right now, and so we can do something beautiful for God. We can love people that are fatherless, and we can love people that do not have a heavenly father yet, yet. So this is what the scripture says in Romans chapter 8. Paul wrote to the church of Rome, and he said, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, I love this, therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, the first thing that I see from this passage is it tells us that if you follow Christ, then we are family. Right? That we are Come on. It's, I know we're on the Philadelphia side. But remember 1979, right? We are family. I got all my sisters and me, right? Okay, so we, we are a family. Whether you like it or not, we're a whole bunch of brothers and sisters in this room. We are a family. Now, the origin of that word family means a household of servants. A household of servants. So nowadays, when we say family, we go, yeah, you know, the people that live in my home, right? I always hate, you know, when people go, well, I don't have children, but I have a dog. I'm like, are you really comparing your dog to my children? 
I mean, come on. Does your dog lay around the house all day, do nothing, and eat your food? Oh, my goodness. Your, your dog is my children. <laughs> no, these guys, these guys work hard. I'm talking about their older brother. But, you know, <laughs> a family is a household of servants. Think about that. How would it change? Because we say, oh, we're the family of God. How would your world change if when you walked in the front doors, instead of you went go, saying, okay, what are you going to give me today, pastors? You said, what am I going to give my family today? How am I going to serve the people? How am I going to serve? Maybe it's at the snack bar or or the the cafe. Maybe it's greeting people. Maybe it's just asking someone, how are you doing? How can we serve each other when we walk into this house? Because we are family, and family works together. So we are the family of God. Here's what happens. When God adopts you, when God adopts you, when he says, you are now my child, there are some really cool things that happen. Number one, you get a brand new name. You notice that when Andrew, it said he had a name, he had a last name before, but when the Francis's adopt him, adopted him, he became Andrew Francis. Andrew Francis. And see, when you get a new name, there are good things that happen. It says that we become joint heirs or co-heirs with Jesus. In other words, God says, you know what? I want to adopt so many people that, that the inheritance gets divided up equally among everyone. And so when we are adopted, we get a brand new name. And that name allows us to be a brother or a sister to Christ. We're part of his inheritance. Um, I don't know about you. I like, I like watching Netflix. Any Netflix people, right? Yeah. And uh, one of the weird things is sometimes uh, Netflix has a lot of documentaries. And I, I enjoy the documentaries. And so I was watching a documentary about the children of Nazi war criminals. I know, it's kind of weird. You're probably like, how did you get there? (laughs) So I was watching this uh, documentary of Nazi war criminals, and after the war, many of them changed their last names because they didn't want the last name Hess or Goebbels or Goering because that old name was associated with an atrocity. And they said, this isn't who we are. It's just the family we were born into. And so what they said is, we're going to change our name. Why? Because old names carry baggage and new names carry potential. Old names carry baggage, new names carry potential. Here's the thing. When you come to Christ, he adopts you, you get a new name. And what's going to happen? People are going to come up to you and go, yeah, 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 but you're still the person that did, but, 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 but. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't you forget who, you partied as hard as I did. Come on, man, you were a jerk in high school. Don't you remember? And you can go, yeah, that was the person with a different last name. But I have a new name now. And so I'm going to walk in the potential of my new name rather than remembering the baggage of my old name. Old names carry baggage, but new names carry potential, which is why God gave you a new name. Now, you may say, well, how crazy is this? I mean, think in the Bible. We got this guy, Saul. Saul's got a bad reputation. And so when he comes to Christ, God says, you know what? I've got to give you a new name. Your name's now Paul. (laughs) So he changes his name because of the baggage that came with that name. Here's another thing. When you are adopted by God, you're brought into a different family. And that family has some different values. Our children's ministry prof, uh, he is also a foster parent. 
And so they have children that will come into their home. And he said, one of the most difficult things that we've had when we foster children is trying to get them to understand that they're safe now. And that this is a different family than the families they've been in. And he said, it's things like we've had to go to a kid and say, listen, you don't have to hide food in your room. If you want food, we'll give you food. But that kid in a different foster family or in their awful family was not allowed to have food or having to say, listen, if you need some money, just ask us and we'll give you some money. You don't, don't go into to my wife's purse. Don't go into my wallet. Just ask. You see, when people get adopted by God, they're going to come in here and they're going to bring their old family values. They're going to bring the bitterness they're going to bring some of the hatred, some of the anger, some of the ways of doing things in their old family. And the way we react and respond to that is going to, to, to uh, be key as to whether they integrate into this family. And so if somebody starts to gossip, we go, well, you know, in, in our family, we don't do that. If somebody gets angry and, and ticked off at something, we go, listen, in our family, we value forgiveness. In our family, we value generosity. You need something, we'll take care of you. That's what families do. We're here to serve you. We're a different family. This is why we have this word discipleship. <laughs> discipleship is basically saying, hey, all you new adopted children, we're going to help you discover the values of Jesus Christ and that this family is different. We love even when you're unlovable. We care even when you don't want us to care. We have your back even when you feel that you're unfaithful. This is a new family. We're going to love you. We're not going to love you based on where you live. We're not going to love you based on your wallet, on your income, on your job, on your GPA, on your looks, on what kind of clothing you have. This is the family of God. We're all joint heirs. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I do too. Hello, brother. <laughs> That's it. So you get a new name, but you also get new family values. Here's Romans 8, 12. He said, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh. See, before we knew Christ, our only obligation was to me. Your only obligation was to you. You did what you wanted. You did what made you happy. But now our obligation is not to do what's best for me or for you. It's to do what's best for us. So that means that maybe there's something I don't like, but it's okay because someone else likes it. We're a family. You know, yesterday, it was, or the other day, I was like, where, uh, these guys picked me up from the airport. And I was like, where do you want to eat? And one said, let's go to Rosa's Cafe. The other one was like, let's go get hamburgers. Okay, one of them got their way and the other didn't. But we're still happy because we're eating. Which, by the way, we live in Texas, so we had Mexican food. So. <laughs> so our obligation isn't to live for what we want. The obligation is to live for what the Spirit of God wants. And God's central desire is for others. Is for others. Okay, so we get a new name. We get, a, we get new family values. The other thing is we get new relatives. So we're like, oh, good, because I don't like my current ones. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. We, we don't get rid of our moms and dads or brothers, sisters, cousins. You know? We don't get rid of them because we're, we're still related DNA-wise. But what happens is your family goes from this to this. And now you have family all over the world. 
And there's family in the Dominican Republic right now. And you guys are helping to build a physical house for that family of God down there. Right? So we have a, a family, new relatives. This is what he says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. So what's our obligation? To live according to the Spirit. And what's the Spirit of God say? The Spirit of God says, take care of your brother. Take care of your sister. Do they have a need? Do they have a need? Is it physical need? Do we need to bring them food? Do they need some financial? Do they need a job? Is it physical? Do they need healing? We can pray for them. Is it that they need to hear from God and so we've got a prophetic word for them? What do they need? And so we take care of them because we're not obligated to do what we want. We're obligated to do what he wants. Here's what I think. In the family of God, when you're hurting, we'll hurt with you and we'll help you heal. That's what good brothers and sisters do. If you're lonely, we're here to stand with you. We're here to walk with you. If you're grieving, your brothers and sisters are here to be by you, to listen to you, to hold you when you grieve. That's what the family of God does. That's what good brothers and sisters do. And some of you are thinking, I don't have good brothers and sisters. Well, that's what we're here, we're here for. That's what we're here for because earthly families do. They disappoint us. You know, you may be wondering, I mean, why, why would God want to adopt me? You know, some of us, you may have grown up with this attitude of like having a parent that just talked down to you all the time, made you feel like dirt. Maybe you were surrounded by people at school that made you feel less than. You go, and you have this thing in your head. It's like, well, why would God want me? Why would God want to adopt me? Am I just part of the package? Oh, for God so loved the world. Okay, I guess I'll take him too, you know? Why would God want to adopt me? I think, I think the biggest reason is he loves you. Your, your heavenly father really does love you. And I, I know this is difficult. Let me... Uh, my, 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 dad, my dad was a child of the Depression, okay? And so my dad was one of seven kids. He was the son of an alcoholic, okay? My dad was beaten by his dad. You know, it was not a good environment growing up. It wasn't. Uh, my grandfather routinely drank his paycheck rather than bringing it home, okay? My dad gets saved. His brothers get saved. God, God redeems his father. He got saved, okay? But one of the coolest things that happened is growing up, my dad brought his paycheck home. And my dad didn't beat me, okay? So my dad said, I'm going to break some of the garbage that was in my dad's life. I'm going to create a different family. Now, can I, well, let's just be honest here. One of the things my dad couldn't do, I love you, son. I'm proud of you, son. He didn't know how. Why? Because this is what he got at home. So for him, it's like, I didn't do this, and I didn't do this. I'm a great father. All right, so what am I doing? I'm not doing this to my kids. I'm not doing this to my family. But guess what else I'm doing now? I'm hugging my boys. I'm loving on them. And I, you know, I was in this Bible study uh, last year, and they, the question was, how has your relationship with your father influenced how you view God? And, you know, so I wrote down, I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like, I feel like God's distant or, you know, maybe I always have to prove myself to, to God, you know. And then the next question was like, describe your relationship with Jesus. And I was like, oh, 
oh, Jesus is my friend. He's my brother. I love him so much. We talked, right? And it hit me. I was like, why is there such a big contrast between the way I view Father God and my brother Jesus? And literally, and I, I'm hoping this will set some of you free. This is literally what I did. I just, I prayed. and I said, Jesus, tell me about your dad. Did, did you ever go over a friend's house and you got jealous of the relationship they had with their mom or dad? And you're just like, man, your dad's the coolest. And they're like, what, what, what? Yeah, your dad's cool. It's like, well, I don't, and it was literally like that. Like I was just sitting in at my friend Jesus' house and he just started telling me about my, his dad. He goes, oh, you'd love my dad. My, my dad's kind. My, my dad is generous. My dad is forgiving and loving. Oh, yeah, he disciplines me, but, you know, in the end, it's for my good. Maybe you just need to sit down and say, God, or Jesus, tell me about your dad. So I think God loves you. That's why he wants to adopt you. God has a plan for your life, too. And I know we say that God has a plan for your life, but uh, when each of my boys was born, right, we started saving for college. And I remember my oldest son, Austin, it was like he was born and we're like, all right, we're going to start saving for college. And my mom gave him some savings bonds, right? And so finally, my son went to college. We cashed out his college savings account, all the savings bonds, and we bought him a textbook. Um, <laughs> college is expensive, right? So, but see, we started saving. From the day they were born, we started saving for something that we had planned for them. Now, when they turn 18, if one of these guys says, we don't want to go to college, you go, fine, you don't have to go to college. But you're not getting what I have planned for you. Okay? There's a difference between the Father's will and doing the Father's will. And just because you don't love God doesn't change the plan he has for your life. The love of God is not diminished by our rejection of that love. So God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. I love my boys. I have a plan for their lives. It involves grandchildren. <laughs> but they can choose their own path. So he loves you. He has a plan for you. I think another thing, and we see this with Andrew uh, in the video, he said, I went to places and they hurt me. I couldn't live with my mom because the situation was so bad. I think this, God is such a good father, he wants to rescue you from some pretty bad situations. For some of, them, for some of us, it's situations we brought into our own lives, the, the sin that we embraced, and God says, I, I want to rescue you from that, that hamster wheel of despair <laughs> where you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And God says, I, I, I want to get you out of that. So God loves us, he has a plan for us, and he wants us to escape from bad situations. And I think the other reason that God wants to adopt us is because every single one of you, every single person in here, you deserve a good father. And, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry if your earthly father was not good. That's the reality. Earthly fathers can disappoint us. Earthly fathers can withhold love. They can dish out punishment. They can withhold praise. God wants to adopt you because he is a father that is going to love you. And he is going to speak to your heart and speak to your hurts. You see, earthly 
earthly fathers can hurt us, but a heavenly father can heal us. So whatever hurt you've had from your earthly father, your heavenly father is here this morning and he just wants to wrap you up and heal you and bring life to you where you didn't think you could ever have life. So God wants that for you. They say that the number one reason why parents adopt a child is because they want to provide a permanent home for them. So I love this fact that Paul uses this word adoption because I think that's the heart of Father God. He wants to provide a permanent home for you. And you know what? That's us. We're all going to spend eternity together because of what Jesus did, because of what Father God did for us. God wants you to belong in a permanent family. He wants to give you a permanent home. He wants you to find some rest for your soul, some healing for you here in this family. All right, number two, second thing. Second thing is that adoption involved authority. I had two friends growing up. I, well, more than two friends, but I had two, two of my friends growing up, Rob and Scott. Uh, and tell me if this sounds familiar. Rob and Scott would call my mom and dad, mom and dad. Right? They'd see him and go, hey, mom, hey, dad. I'm like, you, we're, not, we're not genetically, you know, this is not, No, they were the type of people, I could be in my room. I could be in my room, and all of a sudden the door opens. Hey, Gar. And I wasn't ever like, oh, what are you doing here? It was like, no, this is Rob and Scott. They're like brothers. They're my friends. I mean, here we are 30-some years later, and I still texted both of them this morning. Right? Those are friends. Did you guys have friends like that where it's like, yeah, oh, this is what would happen. You'd be at Rob's house and you go, man, I'm thirsty. And he goes, are your legs broken? <laughs> no. Well, you know where the fridge is. Right? That's how we were. Their home was my home. My home was their home. It's just the way we were. Right? So there's something about being adopted that involves authority. Now, let's say I'm at home and the door opens and it's a homeless guy. And he's like, hey, what's your name? Right? I'm, I'm getting a little scared. I'm like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. You're not a part of my family. I don't accept you. I don't even know you. Right? And he's like, oh, I'd, uh, I'd like to get to know you. And I was like, dude, you are creepy. You're creeping me out, man. You see, Rob and Scott had a level of authority in my home that a stranger wouldn't have. When you are adopted, you're adopted because of God's authority. Uh, listen, he says this, the spirit you receive doesn't make you a slave. It doesn't make you a slave. He says, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Listen to that. When God adopts us, then we can call him Father. Okay, now what I'm about to say, just bear with me. Don't get angry yet. <laughs> Save it for later. You ever hear people go, oh, man, we're all God's children. We're all God's children. We're all God's children. And I'm like, if we're all God's children, why do we need Jesus? Because according to this scripture, Jesus came so that we could be adopted and then call God Father. So you're like, well, does that mean God hates everybody? No. See, God's intention, God loves his creation. And his heart has always been to redeem his creation so that they can be adopted and be called sons and daughters of God. Listen, if we're all God's children, then I don't need Jesus. But if we're all God's creation, then I need a redeemer. I need a redeemer. Listen, when you walk out, when you see people that don't have a relationship with Christ, you're viewing orphans. 
You're viewing orphans. They are loved. They are loved by God, but they need a family. They need a redeemer. And God desperately is asking his family to go out and, and bring others into the family to speak to them. Okay, so here was the cool thing. Uh, Paul talks about adoption. He's writing to the church in Rome. In their lifetime, in the lifetime of the Romans, they had experienced adoption. Because this is what would happen. If an emperor didn't have a son, if an emperor did not have a son, then the emperor could adopt a, a male child. Now, sometimes the child was an adult. This happened with a guy named Caesar Augustus. You guys know Caesar Augustus. He calls for a census and, you know, and so in the Romans lifetime, they had experienced emperor adoption. So what happens is the emperor, he says, I am adopting this man and his name is now Caesar Augustus and he is my heir. But here was the cool thing. This adoption process, there were some rules to it. Number one, it had to take place publicly. So it couldn't be like, hey, man, I want to adopt you. It had to be, everybody, Romans, friends, Roman citizens, <laughs> I choose Augustus, and he will be my heir. Right? Now, the other cool thing, it had to happen in public, and it happened on a specific pedestal. On this pedestal, a raised pedestal, there were spikes. And on the spikes were the heads of conquered kings. Also around this were the, the, um, the ship's prow, like, you know, like the lady in the front, you know, like, okay. Um, some of you are like, that's so realistic. Uh, <laughs> when they defeated a Navy ship, they would cut off the front and put it there. In other words, the emperor stood there and said, this is who I choose as my son. What are you going to do about it? I have authority and I embrace this. This is what happens, right? The devil was made a fool of by the cross. And so on the cross, this is Father God's proclamation. These are now my children. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Oh, you're not a child of God. Yeah? Well, Father God says I am. Oh, come on. You haven't changed. Well, Father God says I have. You see, being adopted involved authority. On the cross, Jesus speaks for Father God and says, I choose you. I publicly choose you. I give you an inheritance. I give you authority. I have overcome every single one of your enemies. You are now my son or my daughter. I love you like my child. All right, last point. Number three, families are weird, right? <laughs> Can we just be honest? Families, families are weird. How many, how many of you have somebody weird in your family, right? If your hand's not raised, guess what? You're the weird one, <laughs> right? That's how it goes. Everybody has somebody weird. In our family, it is my wife. My wife is the weird one, right? She's just, oh, it's just crazy. Okay. So let me, let me tell you, uh, my, my dad, I told this story last night, but, you know, my dad's 84. He's a good Yankee. He lives in Florida. And uh, I, I got there, I had no cell reception, and I was like, hey, Dad, do any of your neighbors have Wi-Fi? And he just dead serious, he's like, no, no, they're all pretty healthy. <laughs> and then my, my dad owned, uh, he and his brothers owned their own construction company, and uh, all growing up, my dad would talk about his employees, and one of them, the employee's name was Durrell. I talk about Durrell, Durrell, Durrell. And so when I would see Durrell, I'd say, hey, Durrell, how you doing? He's like, hey, good, you know. Durrell, 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 Durrell. I was 21, and I saw Durrell's name written down for the first time in my life. 
And I went, Dad, his name is Daryl. And he goes, yeah, Daryl. <laughs> but it's, it's part of that German influence because his mom was mutter, mutter and fada, you know. So I was like, Dad, that's great. And then my grandma, my grandma was from West Virginia, okay. The town she grew up in was Jaeger, West Virginia. Jaeger isn't, there's no Y in the word Jaeger. It's I-A-E-G-E-R. The town, the last time they took a population, 302. 302. The city itself is only one square mile. Okay, so when grandma said, I'm taking out the trash, what that meant is she was going out through the back door and throwing it in the creek. Okay? She, we'd go over her house. She'd give us hot dogs. I'm hoping they were hot dogs. And she would eat squirrel. And then when she was done with the squirrel, she'd crack the bone and slurp the, the marrow out. You know? Any, any, anybody have southern grandparents? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, okay. She would drink her coffee out of a saucer, right? So later in her life, she came and lived with us. And I mean, she was a, she was a very large woman. I came home one day, the refrigerator is open, and she's got a chair, and she's just eating out of the fridge. I'm like, I get in trouble for that. What, what is it? You know, it's like, oh, we're not trying to cool the whole world, are we? You know, it's like, what? Families, families are weird. But guess what? You don't get to pick your family. And we don't get to pick our family here. There is no place in the church for racism. There is no place in the church for us to go, wouldn't you be more comfortable at that church? When God adopts somebody, our only responsibility is to love them like a brother and sister. That's it. Once the noun is set, we then get to choose the adjective. I am a father. Now, I get to choose what type of adjective I'm going to be. Am I going to be distant? Am I going to be close? Am I going to be loving? What? Once you're a Christian, you are a child of God. Now you get to choose the adjective. When this church came into existence, the family of God came into existence in this church. So you, you get to choose the adjective. When people talk about the power place in town, what, what adjective are they going to use? According to your Yelp, you're in good shape. You know? <laughs> saying. If you haven't, review the church on Yelp and point out Luke's interpretive dancing as well. Yeah. Maybe take a half star off for that one. So. You see, when I became a dad, I then got to choose what kind of dad I was going to be. When I became a husband, I then had the decision, what kind of husband am I going to be? When you become a child of God, the question is, what kind of child of God are you going to be? When you join this family, the question is, what kind of family are we trying to create here? We get to choose our adjectives. The word adopt literally meant to choose there's a couple at our, our, our school, they're an older couple, they actually met in elementary school and the girl is adopted and the husband, just being an elementary school kid, he goes, eh, you're adopted, making fun of her, like somehow it was a shame to be adopted. And she looked at him and said, my parents chose me, your parents had to take you. God doesn't have to take you. He wants you. 
God chooses you, and there is not a soul living on this earth that God doesn't want to choose. There's no way that God says, ah, you know, the family would be better if you weren't in it. There is not a single person because God has a plan for everyone's life. If we could show this last video, I think it, it'll sum up where we're going. Come in. Oh, hi, Your Honor. We have, uh, hi, we have... Uh, yes, yes, come on in. Braverman. Great. All right, yes, I... There's actually this is salsa. He's a lizard. This will take a while. Uh, That's a good idea. Just, uh, okay, all right. Come on in. Come in, please. Come in. Okay. Close the door. Okay, everyone, please. Hello, everyone, please. All right, welcome. Thank you. All right, uh, so Joel and Julia Graham. Yes. Yeah, hi. That's... So now you understand that by signing this adoption agreement form, you agree to uh, take care of Victor as your own legal child, right? To provide for his health, his welfare, his educational needs. We do. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Victor, do you understand? Do you agree to this adoption? Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> All right, well, then, unless anyone has anything to add, I'm ready to make it official. <clears throat> your Honor, yes, if I may. As grandparents, my wife Camille and myself will do the best we can to, uh, to give Victor what we've given our own children, which is our undying love and support. And also, being a baseball aficionado, uh, I would like to teach him the art of fielding the hot grounder. Okay. But hey, that can wait till later. And... Uh, Your Honor, I'm sorry, if I may, I'm Adam Braverman. I'm Zeke and Camille's oldest son, and I promise to be your uncle. Listen, your, your Aunt Christine and I are no substitute for your stellar parents, but we promise to be there for you no matter what. You can always come to me, Victor, if you need help, and I promise I won't rat you out to your mom. I can give you dating advice. Oh, and then I can help repair the terrible damage that her dating what is this? advice does. Okay. I, I, I'm willing to teach you how to ride a motorcycle and play an instrument. Oh, your girl troubles will vanish immediately <laughs> once you know those two things. Yeah. And you can come to my house anytime. We can play Xbox and you can sleep over and sit. Now that you're adopted, you can officially hold my lizards. Okay. <laughs> I promise to love you, buddy. Yeah. No matter what. Me too. Okay. Okay. It's quite a family you're coming into. All right, on this day, January 24, 2013, Joel and Julia Graham have officially adopted Victor Graham. You're now legally their child. You have all the rights of any natural child. Okay. I will hereby sign this order confirming the adoption. All right. Power Place, it's a beautiful family you have here. If we could all stand and we're going to respond to the message. Let us be 
such an incredible, loving, beautiful, caring family that people from all over Chester County are gonna come here. People that have been hurt, people that have been abandoned and orphaned, they'll come and find healing and embrace from some awesome brothers and sisters. If we could bow our heads. Uh, this morning we've been talking about adoption and, and how God is our father. And so I wanna ask you this, if, if you do not have God as your father, if you have not begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, which leads to our adoption, I would really like to pray with you. Pastor Hollis would like to pray with you. If you could just lift your hand, we, we wanna embrace you as family. We wanna love on you. Are there any would raise your hand? Say, I wanna start this relationship with Jesus. Start this relationship with Christ. Let me be part of the family. All right. This morning, can we join hands as a family all across the aisles? And let's take a moment and pray for our brother, our sister, on our left, on our right. If you don't know their name, this is a great chance. Find out their name and ask, hey, is there something that I could help you with? Is there something I could pray for you for as your brother or as your sister? So just take a second, ask them that, and then we're gonna pray. On. Let's pray to the Father for our brothers and sisters. Father, thank you so much for my brothers, for my sisters. Thank you that you brought me into a family, that you redeemed me. Lord, thank you that you gave me a new name. You gave me an inheritance. Lord, that you took away my past sin and you brought me into a new life. Lord, thank you that I am not defined by who I was, but I am now defined by who I am and who I am becoming. Lord Jesus, we pray for our brothers and sisters on our left and on our right. We pray that they would become good brothers, good sisters, that they would become examples of Jesus Christ throughout this community. Father, that people who are orphaned, people who are away from God, that they would come back and find a heavenly father and they would come in and find an earthly family that loves them no matter what, no matter their struggle, no matter their addiction, no matter their situation or their problem. Jesus, they'll find your love for them through us. Father, we thank you that you have adopted us. We thank you that we are now brothers and sisters, that we are the children of God. And we pray that we would show our community what it looks like to be the family of God. One last prayer. This morning, this morning, and you can let go of hands. This morning, if you say, I just really need to feel the love of God this morning. They're just, it's been a, been a rough week. I just need the, the love of the Father. I need an embrace this morning from the Father. Just raise your hand. Let's, let's pray for you. Yeah. Yeah, others. Just been a rough week. We know how it goes. Stuff at work. Okay. Today is Sunday. We call it the first day of the week. Let's pray that the Father embraces you this whole week in a way that you've never experienced. If there are those around that somebody's hand is raised, let's just go over. Just... There's nothing magical about our hands. It's just an affirmation saying, you're my brother, you're my sister, I'm not afraid to love you. 
Let's pray over them and then, then Pastor Hollis will come up. Father, we pray for those, our brothers and sisters that have a need this morning. We pray for our family that may be discouraged. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them throughout the week and they would feel the Father's embrace over their lives. Lord, that tomorrow as they go to work, it's gonna be a new day and your Spirit will give them courage. We pray for families that are struggling. God, that your Holy Spirit would bring peace and healing into that family today. That they would experience the presence of the Father in that home. Lord, bring health to the family of God this morning. We thank you that you are with us. You will not leave us. You will not forsake us. Thank you that your word says you can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever hope for, ask for, or imagine. Thank you your word says that if we lack wisdom, we can ask of you and you will give it generously. Thank you, Father, for every good gift that you give your children. In your name we pray. Amen.